the City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey everyone, this is Russell Cox, editor of the Municipal Association's Uptown Publication and Digital Production Manager. The following podcast is part two of a discussion with Eric Scheidel, General Counsel for the Association about some recent First Amendment court cases that are of interest to cities and towns. Part one laid out some of the foundation for what we're going to be talking about here. So you may want to go back and check it out. It is season one, episode 43. With that said, let's get started with part two. Okay, so let's move to the second case we wanted to talk about, which is a religious land use case. Yes, Jesus Christ is the Answer Ministries Incorporated v. Baltimore County. All right, so we had talked in the opening about the two themes, and the two themes we want to talk about were the forum rules, which we've talked about in the Loudoun case, and the second was the Religious Land Use Act. And it is designed to prevent local governments from discriminating against religious uses in their land use, in their zoning rules. Mm -hmm. There's really three basic rules. It's a short act. Number one, you can't implement a land use rule that imposes a a substantial burden on the religious exercise of a person. Mm -hmm. Number two, you can't impose a land use rule that treats a religious assembly on less than equal terms with a non-religious assembly. And three, you can't discriminate against religions. Mm -hmm. I want our listeners to know the Department of Justice is very serious about this. They brought over the United States Department of Justice since 2000 has brought over a hundred actions to bring people into compliance with this act. Mm -hmm. It also, there's also a private right of action where people can sue in their own name. So what happens in, what happens specifically in this case? What it involved, this is in Baltimore. This is also a fourth circuit case. You know, I mentioned this is directly applicable to us because Maryland's in the fourth circuit. Yes. So the reverend of the church, one reverend Lucy Ware, she had what is essentially a non-denominational church Mm -hmm. and its membership was primarily drawn from first and second generation immigrants from Africa. Mm -hmm. They had a strong tie to Kenya and to the Seychelles Islands off the eastern eastern coast of Africa. And she was trying to find an adequate house of worship for her church. And eventually she found a 1.2 acre parcel that had a building previously used as a dwelling, but it was zoned under density residential 3.5. Using it as a church was an of right use. It was a permitted use Mm -hmm. without conditional use, without variance, without special exception. Mm -hmm. But it did have certain setback requirements. You, You have to have a 50 foot setback. You can't have a building or a parking lot within 50 feet of the property boundaries. And her first plan didn't address the setbacks. So it was denied because even though it was a permitted use, she wasn't in compliance with the zoning ordinance. And the second time she submitted her application, she had redesigned the parking lot. She'd put the parking lot in the center of it. She'd done everything. It was in virtually perfect compliance with the zoning ordinance. Mm -hmm. And again, the council denied her application for this use. What's interesting about this case, on one hand, it's an application of the Religious Land Use Act. What the court ended up saying is denying this permit imposes a substantial burden on this religious use. And you should have given her her permit because if you don't, it's a substantial burden. But the more interesting part of the case, I think, is that there was at the public comment section in reviewing it, a lot of the local residents came and expressed their opposition to the project. And they expressed their opposition in terms that were frankly discriminatory 
against the church based on the identity of the people who worship there and their particular worship style. And the council itself never adopted those comments or whatever else, but they ended up ruling against her. Mm -hmm. This happens a lot in local government. Let's say that a sober living home or an assisted living home or a multifamily apartment wants to come. You very often have residents who will come to the podium and express opposition to that project based on discriminatory facts. And it may be discriminatory on basis of race, on basis of religion, on basis of socioeconomic status. But you can't control what your residents say when they come to the podium at public comment. Mm -hmm. But what the court did here, and I've seen this happen a lot, is the court found by implication that the council adopted that reasoning because they denied the permit. So there's no direct evidence that the council itself believed that first generation Africans shouldn't be worshiping in this part of town. But they gave the citizens what they asked for by denying the permit and the citizens asked for it in terms that were inappropriate. So it creates a trap when someone comes and exercises their First Amendment rights during the public comment session to say something that you wish they hadn't said? Mm. Does it take away your ability to regulate? And I think the best advice I can give, and I've seen cases where this was respected, is for counsel to say, we don't agree with that, or that's not appropriate, or otherwise to express, or to say, we're not making our decision on that basis. Our decision is based on legitimate land use issues, parking burden, hours of operation, other things like that that are legitimate land use issues. You don't want to get caught up in being charged with the the potentially unacceptable views that some member of the public says at public comment. Mm-hmm. So, so what else is is there to learn from this way? Like, what is? Well, I think that the I think the big thing, you know, the Religious Land Use Act is an act that a lot of people don't know about. I have a letter the Department of Justice wrote in in 2016. It's um, they wrote a letter and addressed it to in theory, all state, county, and municipal officials in the country. And what the letter from the Department of Justice said is it said, hey, everybody, we passed this act 16 years ago called the Religious Land Use Act, and it prohibits you from discriminating against religious uses in your land use decisions. And we've come to find out that a lot of people don't know about this. Mm -hmm. And so we're writing this letter to tell you about it. An Um, informational piece. And please be reminded that the Department Mm -hmm. of Justice enforces this act, and also private citizens can sue you. I think these rules that substantially burden or unequally treat religious assemblies for the good reasons that I talked about earlier are actually quite common. Mm -hmm. I think what this case establishes is that, one, you can't essentially discriminate against these religious uses. And, and, And I think, you know, again, I want to emphasize the point. Council needs to be careful not to be charged with the bad statements or bad intentions of members of the public who come to the hearing. Okay. Well, the last one, the last case we're going to talk about is Yukana v. City of Sterling Heights. And I believe this one is involving a public comment during a city council meeting. And as I understand it, ejecting someone who is speaking for being disruptive, I believe, negative statements based on religion in this one. Is that correct? Yeah, this case is really interesting because this this involves both of the themes we've been talking about. It involves, first, the Religious Land Use Act, and secondly, the definition of a forum and what rules are permitted in the forum. Mm-hmm. This case, and this is out of the Sixth Circuit, so th- this is a case from Michigan. It's not in our circuit, so it's not directly applicable to us, but, but, but I think the rules would apply 
um, even though it's from a different circuit. The, what had happened here was that in, in, in 2015, an Islamic church, it's, it's called the American Islamic Community Center in Sterling Heights, Michigan. Mm-hmm. They, they asked for zoning permission to build a mosque. And the planning commission denied the request to build a mosque. There were statements in opposition, just like what we talked about in the case from Maryland. Mm-hmm. Members of the community expressed, frankly, anti-Muslim sentiment and said, we don't want a mosque. When they denied it, the mosque brought a lawsuit under the Religious Land Use Act. They mm-hmm. said, you're discriminating against us. If we were a Christian church, you would have allowed this use, but you denied us because we're a mosque. Ultimately, that case was settled with the city agreeing to allow the construction of the mosque. So that's an example of what can happen under the Religious Land Use Act. They tried to deny the permit in the court's eyes because of who they were. They were Muslims instead of Christians. The city lost that. And they agreed, we will settle the case and allow the mosque to be approved. The settlement agreement had to be approved at open session of council. Council had to vote on the settlement agreement. And Mm -hmm. under the Open Meetings Act, of course, that has to be a public meeting. We call this FOIA in South Carolina, the Freedom of Information Act. Well, the citizenry who opposed it in the first place are not happy with the settlement agreement. The meeting is packed house. Every seat in the city council full of people, Mm -hmm. almost all of who are opposed to construction of the mosque, And the mayor of Sterling Heights realizes there's probably going to be trouble at this meeting. Mm -hmm. But their local rules, he had to allow public comment. It's not always the case, but he had to allow public comment. By the rules they have adopted. By the rules they had adopted. Mm -hmm. And so what the mayor decided to do was he imposed rules on the public comment. I'm going to read what the mayor said just to give our our listeners the flavor. Quote, speakers are required to stay on point. Your comments during this agenda item must be related to the agenda item. And if you fail to abide by the council's rules, you will be called out of order and you will be asked to go back to your seat. Mm -hmm. If you do not go back to your seat, we will recess and you will be removed from the auditorium. Outbursts from the audience can be grounds for being called out of order. So again, let's just please be as respectful as we can of each person. We don't need any comments about anybody's religion. That is not the purpose of the meeting tonight. And any comments regarding other religions or disagreements with religions will be called out of order. It's simply not relevant to what's going on tonight. That's the mayor's statement. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good statement. It didn't work because the meeting continued to be unruly. The case, the the court in its decision said they had to essentially call the meeting to order 26 times for disruptions from the audience, you know, booing, yelling. A number of people came to the podium, said negative things about Islam, said negative things about this mosque. And eventually the council recessed the meeting, excused everybody from the from the council chambers, put them all in the vestibule, came back in and approved the settlement agreement in an empty room. And after that, members of the community who were excluded brought suit against the city saying they violated their First Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. So... Question that the court had to answer is first, what kind of forum is this? Is this a traditional public forum where no rules are allowed other than very limited rules? Is it a limited or designated forum where you can have reasonable rules that are viewpoint neutral? Mm -hmm. Or is this a non-public forum where you can restrict speech? It was limited in this case. Right. I've already given it away when I say city council (laughs) meeting with public comment is the classic case of the limited public forum. So the applicable standard is that you can have reasonable restrictions on speech as long as they're viewpoint neutral. And the court said that the first rule, the the relevancy rule, is clearly viewpoint neutral and clearly appropriate. 
And the court went to great length to say there were mentions of religion that were allowed if they related to the land use. So, for example, if you said because it's a mosque, they will cause parking demands on at, at times of regular worship, that's permissible. That's mm-hmm. a land use thing that's related to religion. And so that rule was okay, and the city did not violate the First Amendment by having that rule. Now, the second issue is, is more interesting because he said you can't attack any religion. And the court says that's probably not viewpoint neutral. But the court said we don't need to reach that in this case, the second rule, because everything that was excluded was not relevant. By definition, the attacks on Islam as a religion were not relevant to the land use issue. Mm-hmm. So because the first rule was okay, everything's okay. So the result of this case is that the city won and the First Amendment claims by the disappointed residents who didn't want the mosque to come, they lost on their First Amendment case. Mm-hmm. I think the practical result for city council, and, and this is true at most city council meetings that I've been to, it's very common for people to have rules at public comment. The rules that I've seen are maybe time limits, no more than three minutes, no more than five minutes. The rules may be they have to be relevant, and relevancy rules are okay. Um, The rules are that you can't ask questions. For example, Mm -hmm. I know some cities that say the purpose is for you to make a statement, not to interrogate council members or whoever to ask questions requiring an answer. Mm -hmm. I think all those rules are permitted under this standard. Those are viewpoint neutral and they're reasonable to allow the public comment session to serve its purpose. That's what the mayor was saying. There's a purpose to this public comment. We're going to allow things that serve the purpose. If it doesn't serve the purpose, then we're not going to talk about it. I think the question to ask is, when you're thinking about a rule, do you have to consider whether it's positive or negative, what's being said? And if you have to answer that question, then it's probably not viewpoint neutral. Let's wrap all this up. What are some what are some final things that uh, elected officials, city staff could take away from this slate of cases we've been talking about? Again, we said we had the two themes. One one is the the forum theme, and one is the religious land use theme. Mm-hmm. On the forum theme, what the Facebook case, the case from Loudoun County, Virginia, says: ask yourself when you're trying to regulate speech whether the speech is comments on a Facebook page or recording activity by government officials, what kind of forum is this? And I think that governments are probably going to have to start thinking more carefully about defining those forums. Mm -hmm. And the same thinking that is being used in physical space about where is speech allowed and under what circumstances should also be used in thinking about virtual spaces, social media accounts, Facebook pages, are these places where we've uh, where we're allowing the public to speak on matters of public interest and if so if we've created that virtual or real space where speech is allowed we have limited our ability to regulate the speech at a minimum we cannot regulate the viewpoints mm-hmm. okay and i think the second major theme that i want local governments to think about is how are their land use decisions affecting religious uses. And again, that's a First Amendment issue in the sense that freedom of religion is one of the First Amendment rights. Uh, And what the Religious Land Use Act says is you have to treat religious uses exactly the same as you would treat any other comparable use. And what I mean by comparable use is a use that imposes the same types of burden on the land. 
parking attendance. And again, the classic examples that the courts have given are theaters, moose lodges, rotary clubs. People come, they park, they go to an event or a function, and they leave. Mm-hmm. Well, any other any other final thoughts? I would say, as a general matter, this, the United States Supreme Court, the current court, is taking what you could call an absolutist position on free speech. If you think about decisions that have been made in the past 10 years, there are citizens of United that said corporations have free speech rights mm-hmm. and speech includes spending money on political campaigns. You think about the Reed versus Gilbert case, which most planning people know, which said you can't regulate signs based on what the signs say. As I recall, there's a problem if you have to, if in order to determine whether or not it's allowed, you have to ask what's on the sign. Right. If you have to read the sign to know what rule applies, then you violated the Mm -hmm. First Amendment. And now you have these cases, you know, social media being a First Amendment sphere. I think that what we're seeing is a general trend in really increasing the scope of First Amendment protections. The, The general trend is to erode local government's ability to regulate speech, even if it's on things like commercial signs, even if it's on things like on a social media page controlled by the government. All right. Well, um, thank you for joining us today. No, my pleasure. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.mcc.org masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.